I said, well, hell, I got it going on then. Alright everyone, welcome back to the Reload Podcast. My name is Kyle Boone and with me today we have a special guest, Kyle Porter, editor emeritus and founder of <laughs> Pistols Firing Blog, taking a page out of Carson's page book there. Kyle, you are just off of uh, a vacation, How is, uh, how's everything, how's this week been for you? It's good. I, I joked in our Slack chat that I forgot how to write uh, and it felt... I, I just I just didn't get on my computer for like four days, which is unheard of. Um, so it was it was both good and bad to be back. Knocked out a few books while I was gone, uh, but it's been fun. It's been weird. Like it, it's it, we were talking about this before we got on here, but December is just such a weird month for for college sports because you're kind of still doing football, but you're kind of doing basketball, and now you throw recruiting in or, or the early signing period, and it's just. I don't know. There, there's no rhythm to it. It's incredibly bizarre, um, but it is fun because there's a lot of news and there's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine being Mike Gundy this month, where he's preparing for a massive bowl game and also trying to finish his recruiting class? I, I don't know if I could imagine. And flying helicopters everywhere too. <laughs> well, it is like, I mean, he always jokes about how his kids say that he doesn't do anything like yeah. at practice and just generally. So. I think the I think it's um, I think the early signing period is probably easier on him than say uh, I don't know like like Lincoln Riley who's trying to you know who's running things as the offensive coordinator for OU and trying to game plan for a playoff game right. versus like uh, just making sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to do for the Camping World Bowl yeah uh, but but yes it's still. It's still a uh, just sort of a strange time for uh, for for coaches and and for coaching staffs in general. Yeah, yeah. So so we're recording this on Thursday. Uh, on Wednesday, OSU had its early signing day, even though it's actually a period uh, where they signed twenty two players. They announced twenty three. Um, what was your general takeaways? I mean, it was, it's one of the better OSU classes that that Gundy has signed. Since he's really been, since he's taken over the program, um, 23 players, they've got a couple of four stars and CJ Moore and, and Spencer Sanders, and we'll get to them in a minute, but what, what was maybe some of the key takeaways that you thought from, from Wednesday? Well, my, my two biggest takeaways first is that it, it seems like a really deep class, like your worst guys, quote unquote, like your lowest ranked guys are, are pretty good. And, and you could see them like, like I think Gabe Lemons ended up being the lowest ranked guy or maybe Braden Cassidy. Yeah, you're right. And I can see Gabe Lemons playing, you know, he's not going to be like a superstar, but I could see him playing a legitimate role. And I, I look back at last year, um, actually, and the lowest ranked guy this year wouldn't have been in the bottom five last year. So Gabe Lemons wouldn't have been in the bottom five guys last year. Wow. And I think, and I think part of the reason for that depth, which this is kind of my second point is, and and I know we're going to talk about this probably at length, but just the early signing period helps 
and, and we knew it would, but it helps Oklahoma State. It helps teams like Oklahoma State that have to get out and evaluate and, like Gundy said on Wednesday, do their jobs. Um, and you don't have that extra 45 days or so for the Ohio States of the world to, and the Texas A&Ms, you know, of the world to kind of swoop in and, and take your Colby Peels and your uh, Jonathan Shepherds and guys like that. And, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's not like a, it's not a significant mark in terms of, it's not like they went to having a top 10 class, but they are improved and it'll probably go down as the, in terms of average uh, ranking per player, the, the best class in Gundy's history. Yeah, I agree. I think from top to bottom, you look at CJ Moore's the highest rated and then Gabe Lemons, like you mentioned. I mean, I could see all of those from top to bottom contributing in some capacity. And of course, this could be like um, on old takes exposed next year and be like, well, wow, that was a really dumb take. But <laughs> I, I really feel like that that could be the case, which is, you know, not something that you can always say. Um, Gunny talked a little bit about poaching uh, yesterday and said that they had some poachers. I thought was really interesting because he was kind of calling people out, and yet uh, on Sunday they landed a former Arkansas commit who actually flipped from Arkansas to Oklahoma State. They landed uh, Sean Michael Flanagan, a a four-star wide receiver slash safety. Uh, I thought that was really interesting just the fact that, you know, I I feel like a lot of people kind of poo-poo on poachers, but Gundy kind of did it himself and then... Uh, was dogging the ones who tried to come in late. What did you think about his kind of poacher's comment and what he had to say about people who were trying to steal or rate his class late in the process? It, it was weird because he said it leads to two things. He said it leads to cheating and to, uh, I think the term he used was bad feelings, which yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't really know what that means. But, um, you know, I, I think the only footing he has or the only ground he has to stand on here really is that Arkansas was going through a coaching change. So it's a, it's a little bit different than rating a, I don't know. It, 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 it feels slightly different than like Texas A&M missing on a couple of five stars and then picking off a couple of three stars that didn't previously had of offers, but that were going to Oklahoma state. Yeah. I'm not saying it's totally different, but because there was a coaching change at Arkansas, like, you, I mean, these players, I, I think one thing that people don't realize is they don't play like high school players. They don't really care about Oklahoma state in the same way that fans do, you know, like they, yeah. they don't care about necessarily the history or the traditions or any of these things. They have relationships with the coaches. And so when a coaching staff leaves, like what happened at Arkansas and a new one comes in, that relationship has been upended, which I think gives you a little bit of leeway in terms of, of picking players off. So yeah. is it the same? Eh, maybe, but it, it's not, I don't know. I, I feel like there's a little bit more ground to stand on than, uh, than what Gundy was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's probably a fair point. Um, speaking of poachers, OSU was the victim of one on Tuesday um, yeah, I saw Adam Kemp tweet come across my timeline that Israel Antwine decommitted and flipped from OSU like one day ahead of, of signing day. A, a true stunner to me, uh, Antwine originally committed to Ole Miss, was committed to Ole Miss for a really long time, although OSU was continuously recruiting him during that process. 
he eventually decommitted from Ole Miss because Hugh Freeze was fired. Flipped to Oklahoma State for several months, and it seemed like all was well. And then he flipped from OSU to Colorado in basically a, a mock signing ceremony. Um, how were you stunned by that? Because I was. I I did, I did not see that coming at all. No, I, d- I didn't see it coming either. I, I could have seen it more with I don't know five or six other guys in the class than with him. Yeah. Uh, just because it it seemed like his his move was to change it was to flip from Ole Miss to Oklahoma State like that was the move right and and he did it and I think even at the time Colorado was in the mix I believe yeah he picked OSU over Colorado yeah and so after he did that you're like okay well that's the move like he's done and whatever and then he and then he did it again and you're like wait, wait a second I, I thought you already I thought you already made your move but. Um, yeah, that, that was shocking. And I think it sort of, I forgot who pointed this out, whether it was you or Adam Lunt or somebody else, but it, it kind of, uh, underscores that what's happening, uh, on the defensive line in terms of recruiting right now is what happened on the offensive line over the last couple of years. There's yeah. just, there's just not, there's not a lot of guys. There's not a lot of depth there. I, I know they can add one or two more over the next 40, uh, you know, 40 or 45 days, yeah. but it, it seems like it seems a little concerning, doesn't it? Yeah, it is. And they've got they've got a pretty good class on the defensive end. You know, I mean, at the the edge rusher positions, they're bringing in Michael Scott, they're bringing in Tyler Lacey, uh, they're bringing in Braden Cassidy. But defensive tackle is really really thin, and Antoine was the only defensive tackle who was committed. And this has kind of been a case over the past two seasons where they've had guys, defensive tackles from four-year players who committed, flipped to other schools, and now this is a problem because I think they're going to have to address this, you know, in in a large quantity next year, kind of like they did with the offensive line class this year where they picked up five guys, uh, five four-year players. So they're going to have to do the same thing next year, it looks like, with defensive tackle unless they can address it before February, which at this point is more like a cast off or you know maybe guys who haven't been noticed that need to be unearthed which i don't know if you want to take your chances with that or not but yeah this is that's probably a a pretty precarious position for OSU and and defensive line coach Joe Bob Clements i'm sure he's not happy with this yeah they've got let's see <clears throat> one two three four uh, they have six tackles on the roster currently uh, that will be back next year, so that aren't seniors. You have DeQuentin Osborne as a senior yep. and, and Ben Hughes as a senior. They have six others who are not, and only four of them are sophomores or freshmen. So what you, what you have now is you have a situation where you have only f- – and, and going into um, – 2018 you're going to have only two guys think about this you're going to only have two guys at defensive tackle that are sophomores or freshmen yeah because you don't have any you don't have any in this class right and mm-hmm. then you've got uh brand uh you've got cameron murray and brendan evers yep. that's it in terms of uh defensive tackle nice. so i don't know if i don't know if it's a deal where they fill it with a uh with a junior college guy, yeah, uh, that that seems or a grad transfer. We've seen him do that in the past. Um, I, I I don't know, but it's not. I mean, again, like it's it's almost exactly like what happened on the offensive line. I think offensive line 
you notice it more because yeah. you're like, wow, we, the, you know, Oklahoma State can't run the ball. What's the deal? And then you go back and look at recruiting, and you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but with defense, it's, uh, you know, it's been a strength of, of Oklahoma State's for the last few years, and now it might not be in, in the next few. Yeah, yeah. That'll be interesting to see. I wish they could have got Big Saucy, but uh, he's on down the line to FIU <laughs> with his little brother. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> it's a bummer. Uh, so Wednesday was like kind of the first time we've seen Mike Gundy in what feels like forever. Um, he was in pretty good spirits. I was in Stillwater uh, on Wednesday, and his mullet was still in, in pretty good form. He was talking about Zach Robinson in 2005 and seeing the future of Oklahoma State football. Uh, he was talking about Spencer Sanders fishing in his ponds at his ranch. And he was really... In a pretty good spirits, I would say. I think he was pretty excited about the results that OSU got from the early signing period. Um, what was your take on his demeanor? I mean, what some of the th- some of the things that he said, I thought was was really interesting about the early signing period. But what did you think of you know just how Gundy acted in general? Well, I thought the I thought the Sanders fishing story was pretty funny because. Yeah. Uh, he didn't answer the question that was asked at all. And Gundy does this a lot is he'll have like two or three stories that he wants to tell and you're, and they, and he, he'll just throw them in and not answer the question that was asked. And you're like, what, what are we talking about here? <laughs> but, uh, it, it was, it was still a pretty funny story. You know, I, I think that Gundy is, um, I think he sort of knows what Oklahoma state is and, I think that that can be frustrating sometimes for people because I think what has become apparent is that barring just something insane happening, like a ex minor league pitcher uh, choosing your school and walking on to become a quarterback, yeah, Oklahoma State's not going to be playing for a lot of titles, yeah, and that's that's incredibly frustrating as a fan. And Gundy sort of seems. He's not okay with it, but I think he just sort of understands that that's who Oklahoma State is. And, I mean, we talked to somebody about this last night, but if you look at what OU's doing right now in terms of recruiting, what's yeah. the what's the path for Oklahoma State to win conference titles? Yeah. I, I, I mean, other than, like, go to the Mountain West or something. I mean, it's not, it's not good, and yet he, I, I, I don't know. I, I, he just – He's just okay with it, and and that's fine. Like I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't be downgrade him for that, so to speak. <laughs> but it just, I think as a fan, it, it just you, you can get a little bit like, come on, like where's the where's the frustration that you lost to Kansas State? Where's the frustration that you missed out on five star guys, four star guys, whatever, whatever, wherever you uh, kind of place your uh, blame in terms of why Oklahoma State isn't better than they are. Um, so I think, I think there's a little undercurrent of that from fans, but I thought Gundy was great. Um, I, I wish that he would land more big time guys. I don't know yeah. if, I don't know if that's a Gundy problem, if that's an Oklahoma State problem. I don't know what it is. Maybe he needs a bigger helicopter. Maybe. But, uh, it, it, it's, I don't know. They should be getting more four star guys. I feel like. Yeah. And he had supreme confidence talking about his class too. I mean, he did not shy away from setting his own bar with this class. Like yesterday he was saying, this class is good enough to win a Big 12 title. We feel that we've got the guys coming into the program, that these guys are talented enough that, that they can take OSU back to 
where they were in 2011. I think that's really interesting because you look at, you know, just rankings in general. I mean, OSU's class right now is ranked 27th in the country. Is the 27th best recruiting class expected to win a Big 12 title? I mean, I don't. when you compare it to Texas and OU's of the world, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if that's fair or not, but he seems really confident in it. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of going back to his comments last year about we're either dang good coaches or dang good evaluators or one or the other, but uh, either way, we're not getting credit for both of them. Um, so I don't know. I think it's really interesting. Uh, Gundy also talked about the early period being the best thing that happened to college football. Uh, probably the most interesting comments that he said yesterday, and that's, that's what I wrote about from Stillwater. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and play the audio because I thought it was really, really interesting. So uh, let's jump to that real fast, and then we'll jump back into our conversation. Early signing period is uh, the best thing that's ever happened to college football. It's going to create and um, improve the equality and parity uh, in the game. We're, we're seeing more and more of it, as I had mentioned, for three or four years now. I said it in August, and if you, if you looked at the Big 12 Conference, you'll see it again. And the early signing period is going to balance out um, college football, Power 5 Conference schools, over a period of three or four years. Okay. So what did you think about, uh, you know, just what, what Gundy had to say? Basically, the early signing period, best thing to happen to college football. Uh, says it's going to create equality and parity in the league. Um, and in the game, and also prevent cheating. I mean, it's pretty pretty obvious. That he's almost like subtweeting people from his press conference. Yeah, he, he really was. You know, before his press conference started, I kind of jotted down a list of things that I thought we, we might write about on it. And, and the, the early signing period being a success was, was the fir- like literally the first thing I wrote. I mean, you, you could sort of see this attitude coming from him from like five miles away. Yeah. Um, just because he, he's always been a proponent of it. He said they should have a, what was it like a July 1st early signing period? Yeah. He wants a summer and a, uh, I guess winter. So July and December. Signing yeah. Period. Which would be crazy. Yeah. But of course, as someone who runs a website, I'm all for summer content. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I think he. I think he's uh, maybe overstating it a little. Like it, it's not. It's not like it fundamentally has changed the way that Oklahoma State recruits, right? right. It just maybe turns the thirty third best class into the twenty eighth. So yeah, I mean, you should be for that. You should be for anything that encourages that. But is it the best thing to ever happen to college football? I, I don't. I, I don't. I don't know. Like it, it just seemed like seemed like hyperbole to me. But again, I mean, Dabo Swinney said it too for Clemson. Of course, he signed like th- five of the top eight guys or something like that. Yeah. So of course, everybody everybody that had a good day yesterday is like, oh, this is great. But it is it because it's the early signing period, or is it just because you had a good class? You know, I, I think. Yeah. I think it'll take several years to sort of sort out who this has helped and 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 who it's hurt. Yeah, and I, I still think that the poaching thing is still going to happen in large quantities. I mean, you look at what has happened over the past few years. You look at the the February signing period. 
programs are always rating OSU's class late in the process. Why would they not do the same thing and just bump up their timeline to December? I mean, it sounds like they tried to do that anyway. At some point, programs are going to have success doing that in December. Maybe they didn't this year other than Antwine, but um, I don't know. I mean, if if Texas picks off one of OSU's top recruits on Wednesday just before signing I mean, I think we're talking about this in a totally different light. So, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I think, well, you, I think you're and, right. And here's the thing: this is the only year, or this is, yeah, this is the only year that it will there will ever that there will ever be a full fledged national signing day in February, which we just had in last right. February, and also one in December. So it's the shortest timeline. So it might just be that this year is the only year that it helps Oklahoma State because you had a shorter timeline now. Because you saw so many teams sign most of their classes, if not all of them, on December twentieth. Right. You're gonna have you still have the full year, and so like you said, it just it just shifted the timeline. It didn't, other than year one, it didn't eliminate any time because now starting in you know Christmas, and Gundy said this. He's like, we're recruiting for 2019. Well, you weren't doing that this time last year, right? Exactly. Because you were. St- you were still filling up the 2017 class. Um, so I don't know. It might just be a kind of a, a one-off deal in, in terms of the first year. Yeah. It will be interesting next year to see kind of what Gundy's take is and how they finish and whether or not he feels the same way. I mean, I, w- I would imagine that he probably will. But, um, yeah, I mean, if he totally flips his tune next year because they lose a couple guys late in the process, I'll be interested to see if he's still calling this the best thing to ever happen in college football. Um, I want to go. A, I got a question for you, real quick. Okay, do it. Why is Baylor out recruiting in Oklahoma State? <laughs> um, Cox and I talked a little bit about this. I, <sighs> I really don't know. I think um, one thing that Baylor has that OSU doesn't is Baylor's more recently won a Big Twelve title, and that stings a little bit. Um, the fact that Baylor is in Waco helps a lot. I think a lot of people who are maybe Texas Longhorn castoffs see Baylor as a landing spot that they can stay in state, still compete for a Big 12 title, and play for a good program that has a lot of new facilities, uh, a new football field, a really nice, you know, everything is nice in Waco now, other than the fact that, you know, they've been through a lot of scandal. Um, They have a pretty clean coaching staff, I think. Matt Rule is a, is a good coach, but it is super frustrating when they win one game and uh, they're going to have a much higher rated recruiting class than Oklahoma State. I don't, I don't really know how you explain that away other than just geographical location, I think is the only thing I can chalk it up to. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's incredibly frustrating to look at because it it sort of makes you wonder like what is the advantage of winning like yeah i mean what, what what does it even do for you apparently nothing um i don't know it it's and, and I, we've seen this with texas but it's a little different with texas than it is with with baylor and right. it, look i i understood it when our brows was there like they're going 10 and 3 every year you know 11 and 1 whatever like I, I understand why that translates into good recruiting classes. Now there was other stuff going on, obviously, but right. I don't get I don't get how you go. What they go two and ten, one and eleven. Yeah, one and eleven. 
one and eleven, and they've got a top twenty-five class. That that doesn't make sense. I that mean, doesn't add up. It would make sense to me if Matt Rule was like you know, a massive cowboy hat wearing Texas guy who's from Austin who wants to beat the Longhorns yeah. and you know he can sell Texas. The guy's from New York. I mean, I don't understand how he can do this. He's pulling in some of the top kids from Texas. And, you know, he's had success recruiting in Texas before at Temple, but not in this capacity. And for him to do this is, I mean, if you're a Baylor fan, you got to be thrilled. But if you're an OSU fan or anyone else who's recruiting some of these same guys, uh, it's a little disconcerting. How about, how about this stat? Georgia signed more five-star guys yesterday than Oklahoma State has signed four-star guys in the last two years. It's gross. It's so gross. That's not good. That's uh, not good. Yeah, well, that college football playoff will do that. Yeah. If only. If only. Uh, I want to get your take on Spencer Sanders because Gundy was talking about Spencer Sanders yesterday. Like, um, he kind of... I don't know. He wasn't tipping his hand like Sanders isn't on campus yet. He signed, won't be on campus until next summer. But I feel like he's kind of playing up Sanders or laying the groundwork for everyone not to be stunned whenever Spencer Sanders rolls out on the first play of the 2018 season. What did you think of what Gundy had to say about Sanders? I think he's in love with him. I do too. I think he's completely infatuated with him. I mean, he already, he already talks about how he never says a word. Yeah. Like, he's just he's, – he's all in. I mean, I, I thought the most interesting quote, and, and I thought it was interesting because I couldn't quite determine what he was saying, is, is when he said that Spencer Sanders sent his letter of, uh, his letter of intent in at 7.01 a.m. and that he heard that Sanders said it's, it's hard to lead when you're in the back. Yeah. And then he went on to say, "I'm all in." Yeah, and I couldn't tell if he, I couldn't tell if he was saying that he himself, Mike Gundy, is all in, or if he was saying that Spencer Sanders was saying, "I'm all in." No, Gundy was saying he was all in. That's how I that's, interpret it. That's sort of what I thought too, and I was like, "I'm all in too." Where do I sign up? How, yeah, how, like where where can I sign the petition to get this going? Because. You know, we saw Keandre Woodsy this year. We've seen Taylor Cornelius, the oil baron. Stop stealing my nicknames, Mason Rudolph. <laughs> and yeah, TM. I don't steal your stuff. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I really don't care. Yeah, I'm sure uh, Mason's listening, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah, I do a recruiting <laughs> podcast. Uh, so those guys are fine. Like, I think Taylor Cornelius is actually a little bit underrated. Yeah. But what does starting Taylor Cornelius for a year get you? I mean, like, uh, okay, you're going to go seven and five and whatever. But starting Spencer Sanders for a year, even if you go seven and five, means that you've now got a year under his belt so that the next year you can go nine and three or 10 and two or whatever. I, I just, and, and, and Gundy called him the most complete quarterback based on film. That Oklahoma State's ever gotten out of high school, including Bobby Reed. Yeah, the, the, the best, the best recruit Oklahoma State's ever had. Five star. Yeah, of course. Gundy wasn't. Well, he was the coordinator. He, he wasn't the head coach when when Bobby came. But all that to say, I I was stunned at how infatuated Mike Gundy was with Spencer Sanders on Wednesday because Gundy doesn't usually say the 
things that he was saying until you've kind of ingratiated yourself with him for yeah. two or three, four years. And yet he, he was, he was all in, like he said, I mean, it was, it was incredible. And I think Spencer Sanders is, if he doesn't start game one, I think he's going to start at least the majority of the games at quarterback for Oklahoma state in 2018. Yeah. I, I like that bet too. I actually bet my salary on it yesterday somehow on, on the sports animal. I don't know. I don't know how that happened. Uh, I take your out to out to dinner for with with your salary whenever <laughs> the oil baron whenever the oil baron <laughs> takes the first snap against Missouri. Uh, that's gonna be awful. Uh, I agree with you. I think that um, your point about where does starting Cornelius for a year get you, I think, really resonates. I think that uh, they're not gonna win a Big Twelve title next year, even if Cornelius is the quarterback. I think if you're gonna hit the reboot button in the post Mason Rudolph era. You got to go with your most talented kid. And that is obviously Spencer Sanders. If you've watched five minutes of his tape, uh, I think you can probably take that away. So, you know, they've got a lot of really good weapons. Justice Hill, Chuba Hubbard, can't wait to see Chuba, JD King. They can run the ball next year. They should be able to, uh, which should in theory, uh, be a good year to break in a new freshman quarterback, and you know he, you can slowly ease him in as the season goes. So that's that's what I, what what does that mean for Jelani and Woodty and Cornelius and even Kolar? Well, just hearing those comments from Gundy yesterday, and and maybe what you think moving forward, because I don't think it's necessarily a good thing for Jelani or Woodty or Cornelius, but. It sounds yeah, like they're I, not totally out of it. Here, here's what I think happens. Here, here's how I think this plays out. I think Kolar just stays at Oklahoma State and just goes to school. Well, he, I mean, he's almost he, – is he a senior yet? Like, yeah. how old is he? He's got one more year. So, whatever. Like, he, he's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. Uh, I think Cornelius is uh, all of a sudden, if Spencer Sanders starts, one of your more valuable pieces as the backup. Yeah. Um because is he a great starting quarterback? No. Is he a great backup quarterback? Yeah. He's a really good backup quarterback. Yeah. Um, and then Jelani, I think that this entire experience has been probably eye opening for him in terms of, uh, what it takes to play quarterback at, at the, you know, at a, at a power five level. Yeah. I think a lot of us were all in on him without him actually having done anything. Yeah. (laughs) And I just, I just based on conversations I've had with people, I don't, I don't think Jelani Woods is ever going to play quarterback at OSU. Ouch. And then the wild card, the wild card is is Woodty, yeah, um, because he I think it is good enough to be frustrated that he's maybe the third guy next year, mm-hmm. um, and and to think about transferring. I have no idea. He he could start for all I know. I'm just speculating. Um, so I could see him transferring. Uh, I, I could see him, and he's young enough um, to to still have a ton of eligibility left and, yeah. and play for three or four years or whatever. So I don't know. I, I don't know. It's going to be our number one storyline throughout the spring. It's going to be the question that everybody has throughout the summer. Uh, it's going to be fascinating. And the only thing that gives me pause is Spencer Sanders not enrolling until until June. Otherwise. I would have already written the blog post that he's going to be the starter. You know, there would yeah. there wouldn't even be a controversy. He would just be the starter. Yeah, he's playing high school basketball this spring, so he will not be on campus. 
Uh, yeah, that's. A, I think it's a good problem to have, though. You have too much talent in the quarterback room. Uh, I think that's a good thing. A lot of people say, hey, we don't need another quarterback. We've already got a bunch. You just want to bring in your best dudes and let the competition kind of sort itself out is, is probably how you want to do it. And yeah. Gundy, Gundy's played this thing pretty well. Um, <clears throat> I want to do just two quick lightning round questions. Most underrated uh, recruit from OSU's 2018 class to you is... What was it, most underrated? Underrated. Um, can I give you two? Yeah, do it. I'm going to go Tyrese Williams, who I love. That's my dude. And Jonathan Shepard. Okay, wide receiver. Who I, who I think is going to be awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, I really like both of those guys. I, I think Tyrese is he, – obviously he was on this podcast, friend of the pod. Friend of the pod, Tyrese. Uh, just, a, just a incredibly – how about Oklahoma State just rolling out just centers that – that are uh, just really thoughtful and smart and just fun to talk to. Uh, you know, they've had one in Brad Lundblad for the last four years. Um, and I think he's sort of the, the next in line for that. I don't know yeah. if that means he's going to translate into being a great offensive lineman in college, but uh, I don't know. I don't feel like enough people, it's not sexy to talk about a center, uh, <laughs> but I think he's going to be pretty good. And we saw how important it was this year with, with Lundblad out against, who was he out against Baylor and, and T, or uh, TCU in Texas? Yeah, then returned for the West Virginia game. Yeah. Um, so, and then I love Shepard. I mean, Moore is obviously the the crown jewel of the class, but I think Shepard. I mean, Casey Dunn needs a raise. My gosh, like <laughs> two of the two of the top. Uh, I think two of the top four guys this year were wide receivers, which is incredible. And he just keeps he just keeps rolling them out. Yeah. Uh, Javion Cardwell could be good too. I, I know you really like him a lot. So yep. Um, but yeah, I like Shepard and I like I like Tyrese. Okay, uh, highest upside uh, player in the class goes to uh, uh, probably Spencer. Okay. I mean, Moore is is obviously good. Yeah. But I don't know. Spencer, I think, could be special. Yeah. I mean, you have to go quarterback probably there. Yeah, um, most likely to go to the NFL. Oh, that's a good question. Uh, most likely to go to the NFL. I don't know. It's a, it, I mean, they've got a couple of linemen that are going to be like three hundred and thirty pounds. Yeah. Who, who's the Who's the highest ranked? I guess Bryce Bray. Bryce Bray is the highest ranked offensive lineman that they have coming in. The Big Speed Kid. Uh, I'll say Bray. He's 6'5", 310. He's yeah. 7, 18 years old. He's, it's unbelievable. He's a beast. Yeah, so I'll, I'll go with him. I, I have no idea. I mean, the NFL, it, it's so hard to to tell how these guys' bodies will develop over yeah. the next five years or whatever. But yeah. I think that's sort of your safest bet is just pick the biggest guy and and, and hope that he de- hope that he develops in the right way the other guy i, I don't want to not mention him the other guy that i really like is um colby peel okay yeah six he's six foot 210 he's gonna he's gonna play like a weird like he's not really a safety but he's not he's not big enough to be a linebacker like right. I, I think he i think he's gonna be the type of player that gundy talked about on wednesday playing basically five DBs and two linebackers. I think he's going to be like the fifth DB that sort of plays both roles. 
Yeah. And I think he's going to be pretty good at it. He's a, he's a, he's huge. Like he's really big. And yeah. I think he's athletic enough to do that. So I'm excited about him. Yeah. He's, he's like basically played safety all his high school career. And they're trying to basically invent a way to move him into the box to, to rush the passer and play in the secondary. So that will, that will be really interesting. I feel like it's an experiment and he'll probably redshirt, but I like his potential too. So that's a good pick. Uh, Finally, most likely to win the Heisman. <laughs> um, Justice Hill? <laughs> you got to go 2018 class. No, I, I know. Dax Hill? I'll go with... Uh, I'll go with... I'll go with Spencer. I mean, no, none of these players will win the Heisman, but... If one does, it'll be it'll be Spencer Sanders. Man, I really thought you were gonna give your boy CJ Moore some love there. No, I mean, <laughs> what, is he gonna is he gonna play uh, is he gonna play corner as well? He would have to, I guess. To, I don't to know. Win yeah, yeah. The way true. he's built, he looks like he weighs like 127 pounds. It like looks, he looks like yeah. yeah. He looks like he could wrestle at the lowest weight class. I was just talking about that yesterday. He's six foot five, which is like. Five inches taller than me. 175. We weigh the same. Like, I don't understand. Yeah. He just is a massive twig. But one of, one, of, one, of, one of my good friends, one of my best friends from college, Nolan Cox, played basketball at OSU. He was 6'5". He tells people he was 6'6", six, six, and he wasn't. He was 6'5". He's like, I asked him about it one time. He's like, 6'6 ah, six, six just sounds so good. He was like, <laughs> it just sounds great. But I think he weighed like... I don't know. He's he's literally one of the skinniest people that I know. Yeah. And I think he weighed like 185. Wow. I'm like I don't I don't I don't know how you can be thinner than this. That's and amazing. yet CJ Moore has like, you know, needs to gain like 10 or 15 pounds to get to Nolan Cox. So, yeah. That'll be interesting cuz I feel like a lot of people think he's probably an early contributor. And I, and I'm probably one of them, but he'll he'll definitely have to put on some weight. So, That'll yeah, be really interesting yeah. to see. All right, I think we are done here. Kyle, thanks for joining me on the podcast. And um, you can follow Kyle's separate podcast, uh, the Pistols Firing Podcast. I think you guys are recording a new episode, you and Carson, later today, right? Yeah, I think we're just going to lament what Lincoln Riley's doing in, in Norman and just call it a day. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're, we're, we're recording. We'll have... Uh, we'll have this podcast and ours for people to consume over Christmas. We actually have you a, uh, I just got an email. We have your, your first ad reads for the new year. You're about to have ads. Uh, it's been fun to, uh, see what you've done with this, having players on, having, having different contributors. So, uh, should be an exciting, uh, 2018. Yep. Yep. Looking forward to it. Thanks for coming on. Okay, Kyle. Talk to you later, buddy. Okay. See ya.